spokesman for my people, the American Indians of the United States of America. The Bureau of Indian Affairs, the infamous colonial office of the Department of Interior, and the initiator of sleaze in government, has been regulating contracting on Indian reservations since, 19, since 1824. This fact alone should convince and teach every student of government that regulation of commerce and enterprise does not work. Graft and corruption is rampant to the contracting auspices of the BIA and its surrogate tribal government. Indian front contractors bid for and receive government contracts only to proceed to build shoddy, dangerous bridges, buildings, schools, roads, and dams. The Indian is the scapegoat when there is a failure, and is always the one indicted. Working on reservations has proven historically to breed and feed corruption within the BIA and now the tribal governments. Paraphrase the former secretary of the Department of the Interior, James Watt. If you want to see an example of failed socialism, go to an Indian reservation. and richest reservations in our nation suffer from identical problems. Mismanagement, a bloated patronage system, no checks and balances, and tribal government's waiver of sovereignty in order to initiate debt. Who's gonna leave their family behind? Who's gonna be written in history? Uh, if I was a soldier, I'd be ashamed to say I was a Just pay your wife and feel good. That's right. 
democracy against people who do not believe in democracy. because they're ready to kill us. There's children here and you're shooting tear gas at us. We're, not, we're unarmed and you're aiming your weapons at us. What kind of people are you? Governments of Canada and Quebec and the world must realize that the people here will not surrender unconditionally and that they are prepared to make a last stand for the land now. I'm going to do that later. Okay, we have work tonight for 400 of those who are not in the 
conservative lot. Uh, I mean, we, we, by and large, we vote Democrat, but we live very Republican lives. You know, in Indian communities, there's no separation of church and state. War is a virtue. Guns are everywhere. Uh, by and large, pro-life. Uh, so, you know, there's a, it's a, once again, it's a very bipolar existence. Um, you know, this... Three City Radio on CKT 90.3 FM in Montreal. Um, we are hearing a recording um, project um, by the artist Eliza Caution uh, with John Milsham. Um, Eliza has been performing in the city for some time now. Um, an artist uh, who, as you can hear, is mixing soundscapes with guitars. Um, and a lot of tapestries, and um, John is on the drums, Liza's an uh, indigenous artist, um, and both are with us in studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Okay, the res that summer. What's going on in this piece? What are we hearing? Um, the res that summer is like um, basically an amalgamation of my experience as a youth, uh, queer youth 
coming up in Ganasadage, uh, the reservation where I'm from, which is for most people who know Ganasadage, they it's part it's Oka. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of it ties into the 1990 crisis, as well as just my experience with being an outsider, being a skateboarder, being into hip hop culture and punk rock, um, and my love of documentary film. I can hear all that. Um, the the focus on documentary film we are playing as as this piece from your release the res that summer um we were talking about the ways that the quote-unquote oka crisis uh or the uprising that took place um has really been captured in film there's the documentary by alanisa bomsuin um but uh, people have seen that a lot on a screen or from the outside. Uh, you have a very different relationship to these sounds that we're hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think um, sometimes uh, in 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 um, looking at history of uh, the 1990 crisis, like Alanis's documentary is a wonderful place to start for people. Um, but I don't feel like it entirely captures like the the paranoia and the aftermath mm. of what 1990 was. And so part of what I wanted to do was to explore a little bit of like being a, a Ganesa Dagiharonu person. And um, I guess just trying to express like the general anxiety and paranoia of like what it was like to be a child growing up in the aftermath of that and maybe giving a more youthful perspective that like that documentary is like almost 30 years old now. And I think it's wonderful for what it is, but um, there's so much more to Ganasadage's story than just that documentary. Mm -hmm. um, how has been working on these soundscapes and uh, playing guitar been for you in terms of going through that process you're talking about? Um, it's been really satisfying and really cathartic. But also at times, because we've been performing this material for a little, just we're coming up on two years now, I guess, or maybe a year and a half or something. It is very um, exhausting at times to like perform this kind of material to primarily white audiences. Um, but I feel that the reaction we generate totally justifies me wanting to do it. And like, um, mm. it's been such a positive reaction for the most part that any insecurity I feel or intensity like overload or whatever I feel performing this material like it kind of pays off it kind of pays for itself I guess like emotionally or whatever um if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah thanks for sharing that yeah um yeah uh, in terms of like um feeling those soundscapes uh I, I really uh, appreciated what you're saying about well I mean of course Elenice's film is very well known but uh, it's just one illustration uh, we're talking about it because it's referenced as part of the soundscape i believe but uh in terms of understanding how uh that moment uh continues to define um at least uh influence uh people's perspective and also relationship to quebec um why was that um something sort of that was important to address as an artist uh, as also in soundscape um, I think for myself personally, um, there's a lot of wonderful creative First Nations artists who are doing a lot of really cool, like political art, but 
there's nothing really out there that appealed to me being like a kind of like elitist music nerd, I guess. And so it was really important for me to kind of put my perspective on that and um, share like the, the skin perspective on like elitist experimental music or whatever. Um, sorry, what, what was yeah, the question yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, Are yeah. we still on the same page? Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, in terms of the sound, uh, this is a duo project. Mm-hmm. Um, what we heard was recorded at the Salarosa concert hall. Um, I guess just on like a recording level, how was doing that project? It sounds great. Thank for- you. Thank you so much. Um, it was a pretty good experience. Um, we were given the opportunity to record by uh, Kiva, at uh, who runs the Salarosa and Casa and that organization. And uh, I don't know, we just set up live one day. We set up our equipment and we spent an afternoon. I think we hacked it out in like five hours or something. Nice. And John took some time off of work and uh, it was recorded by Thomas Marshall. And uh, Dan Polissi helped to facilitate some of that uh that happening i guess um nice and yeah um and uh so you've been playing a lot live uh i've i've heard that it's very loud uh (laughs) and like it it comes at you drums are a big part of that how's it working on this project together for both of you how's that been we were talking about your your jam space at the fatal lofts which i was lucky to visit once super nice space it's got its (laughs) it's got its punk village charm um well um, we started um we were jamming in another band context okay and um uh we just sort of had this we didn't know each other and we just had this kind of uh, across the room musical chemistry i guess that, nice. um we decided or eliza initiated the idea of just the two of us jamming together and it just you know, happened like that. That was it. Nice. And then, yeah, next thing, because uh, initially Eliza was gigging alone. Okay, okay, okay. Now as a duo. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we were, um, we were jamming in uh, this other band with, like, primarily Cass's staff at the time. I guess we all kind of, that's our one thing that we all had in nice. common was we were all, like, kind of Cass's staff and... Like John said, we didn't really know each other, and when I got this project off the ground, or was st- attempting to get it off the ground, um, I asked John to come and play drums, and I basically had this like four-minute drone in G-sharp that really was nothing, and since then we've kind of just amalgamated that into something else. I don't know. like. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So this release... Uh, um is called the res that summer there's two tracks uh red skeleton mm-hmm. and nashville um so from the first one we heard and we we sort of talked about some of the the references in there or the second piece where are we where where are we traveling with that one where do you take us um the second piece is um i guess kind of paying tribute to like what I just said, it's like the G-sharp drone. And that's what Nashville has grown into, essentially. Um, and it was just paying tribute to when I was... I'm disabled, I have, like, one hand. And when I was first, like, wanting to play guitar, my mom would, like, take me into guitar shops and, like, kind of let me try guitars. And the people, like, behind the counter would just be, like, 
so confused and didn't really know what they want to sell instruments, but they're kind of looking at my mom like, why are you torturing this poor child? <laughs> and I would always grab a guitar and play a G-sharp note. Like, I don't know yeah. why, I was just attracted to that note. Nice. And hearing a G-sharp note distorted is like was like a primal reaction to grabbing the guitar, and I always remembered that. So I wanted to, like, I guess, create a piece around it. But the actual the mood of the piece is just paranoia and anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. That's cool. And so, so the the drone is like a huge part of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big fan of the drone. I I, I I I hear like the soundscape reference, which for radio is super interesting. Um, why was that element? Um, I mean, we talked about sort of the representation issue, but just in terms of like sound and tapestry, that that use of voice, it makes me think a lot about radio too, mm. um, and sort of transmission. It's like this sort of space where you're transmitting different sounds from different places, almost time traveling in a sense. Yeah, um, right. Why are soundscapes cool uh, for <laughs> for either of you, or interesting as part of your artistic practice? Uh, well, initially I was like, um, I'm a huge like fan of skateboarding and I think the marriage of image and motion uh -huh. with, um, music is something that's always been attractive, attracted to me. And through skateboarding, I got into like documentary film and stuff like Ken Burns, uh -huh. um, was like really influential to me. I just love how you can have somebody saying something really mundane or, nonsensical and you can put some type of sound behind it and automatically it creates this like really intense vibe um so that's something yeah. and then just dj premiere scratching in mm -hmm. um stuff in gangstar records it's just like even if it's a sentence or something mm -hmm. that's like yeah yeah it almost like adds a metaphysical aspect immediately for sure for yeah, sure i totally know what you're talking about yeah um and so what's up for your duo in the future what's going on where where are you traveling with that um right now we're just kind of taking a break we played a lot of shows last okay. year last year and a half and i think we're yeah, just like kind of a ton yeah yeah <laughs> we got a lot of good opportunities really Congrats. quickly so i'm really thankful for that um right now i think we're probably gonna keep chilling in the woodshed and try and build more cool stuff and hopefully by the spring and hopefully by swony season next year we'll have something really interesting to present that's new and fresh and um maybe a bit more youthful and optimistic okay wow nice <laughs> how are you feeling about that sean i feel good i'd like to um I'd like to do more collaborative stuff too, because I mean, we are a two piece and there's always room for other people to be involved. Like, um, the last thing, uh, we played was a benefit for Unistoten camp and, uh, James, um, from Lit Quanta joined us on, uh, saxophone. And that was, that was rad. That was good. Nice. Yeah. Like more to have more of that kind of thing happening. Cool. Well, uh, from everything we've talked about, this tape is recorded at Salarosa, as mentioned, uh, the res that summer. Um, so it's right now on Bandcamp, but it will be in the physical format at some point. Hopefully by this year, we'll get it out physically at some point. Yeah. Great. Great. But for now, people can visit your Bandcamp page. Yeah, they can check out the Bandcamp at, I think it's Eliza Caution yeah. Bandcamp. 
So oh. uh, I will get the exact address now for our listeners. Uh, we have been in studio with Eliza Caution and John Milsham. So great that you could both come in. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for thank having you. us. It's very, very good to, to speak with you this morning. Uh, and the address for people who are listening is Elijah Caution, uh, dot bandcamp.com. That's uh, E-L-I-Z-A-K-A-V-T-I-O-N.bandcamp.com. And uh, we're going to be playing the second piece from the tape now, which is called Nashville. Uh, this has been Free City Radio on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe. Do stay tuned. The XX Files are coming up next.